Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. everyone, this is Dan at Vertex Cool. Today I have with me Elena and she is going to um, introduce herself now. Hi, um, so my name is Elena Scott. I've been a 3D animator since uh, professionally full-time since 2002, uh, but prior to that I did work at Sony Online on a long ago lost game called Star Wars Galaxies. It was an MMO that was online. Um, I my contribution to it was a little bit of 3D animation and some concept art, but it was officially my first game. Um, in 2002, I graduated from California Institute of the Arts, and I went to work for a company called Paradox Development, which was bought out by Midway in, I want to say, 2003 or 2004. Um, I worked on a bunch of interesting <laughs> PS2 and G GameCube games that you've probably never heard of, like Backyard Wrestling and X-Men Next Dimensions. Um, after that project, I was laid off, and about a month later, I found a job at another little startup called Genuine Games, and we worked on another title that is forgotten in the ether. <laughs> it was a Fight Club game. It wasn't. It got a Metacritic of 4 out of 10. But the interesting thing is, is even if you go to work for a company that no one's ever really heard of on a project that's not that great, you still meet really great people. And the people that I met on that game ended up going to Infinity Ward and working on like the Call of Duty 4 game and Modern Warfare. And, mm -hmm. you know, so you, it, I've, I've, I've always found that I keep myself open to any opportunities, even if they're not the biggest, best, awesome, you know, like I just, I just wanted to work. And in the last almost 20 years, I've experienced almost no unemployment that wasn't my choice. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because I keep myself open to whatever opportunities, you know, and I get experience and I meet new people and those people go on to another company and they recommend me or, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the, the secret really to having a stable career is, well, A, you have to be competent at your job. You have to be a good team player. You have to take notes well and, you know, just generally be somebody that someone wants to work with again. And then they'll go on to another company and then all of a sudden they'll need animators or, or if you're a, a character artist or an environment artist or whatever it is you do and you made a good impression on somebody, they're going to recommend you. And then that's the cycle of how you keep your career constantly moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, communication, I found, has been... While I'm I'm not great at it, it, I found that it has been my most powerful tool in this industry. And Definitely, I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, that is something that I have not had brought up in the podcast before. So I'm super happy that you brought that up. Um, after my first job, we went through mass layoffs, and sadly, I was a part of those layoffs. And uh, my lead that was uh, on that particular project, he had left to go to another studio a few months prior to that, or maybe even a couple of years prior to that. Uh, yeah, it was a few years prior to that. So um, he went to another studio. He found out about the layoffs. And while like on the day that we all got laid off, like everyone that was a part of that left and went to a bar 
and then most of the studio actually left the bar, like the, the studio that day, like, oh, yeah. we're going to the bar with the guys you just laid off. Yeah. Uh, we all met up at this bar and I'm sitting there and we're all talking about what we're going to do and uh, just, just going through the normal, just got laid off stuff. And in that process, my phone rings, I look at it and I'm like, I don't have this number in my phone, but it's a local number. And I, um, my phone is still from several states ago. So uh, I, I looked at it, I'm like, okay, well, it's someone I know. And I just got mm -hmm. laid off. So maybe it's someone that I know that's just saying, hey, I'm sorry to hear. So yeah. I answer it and it was my ex-boss. And he's mm -hmm. like, hey, man, like, I heard about what's going on today, and uh, you, uh, I hired you as a brand new animator, and now you, and I saw the skill in you then. Now you've got like five more years of experience under your belt. I want to bring you over here. So I mm -hmm. already had another job, this yep. same a lineup for another job the same day I was laid off. Yep. Um, <laughs> I have plenty of stories like that, actually. <laughs> yeah. So. so it's it's been phenomenal and every job other than the one that i'm in right now here at vertex school every job i've had since then has been through a contact that i've had mm -hmm. at one of those studios same um, here which has been it's very heartwarming for one mm -hmm. part because it's like wow like i haven't worked with that person in almost a decade and mm -hmm. they thought of me when they had a position that they had yep. open. Um, and since i've been where i'm at now i continually still get contacts like Oh, hey, how are you enjoying your employment? Like, we've got this going on yeah. over here. Would you like to do that? Um, and it's been really, really phenomenal. Like, and that's both, I've had people go from AAA studios into little indie studios and things mm -hmm. along those lines. And they're like trying to build a, a great, uh, powerful team. And uh, they contact me. And it, it's heartwarming. Um, I, I hate telling people no, but it, it's heartwarming hearing that somebody wants me. And it's all, communication like yeah and I people you know that's the same thing too like I get uh, approached a lot even now um, strangely a lot since the pandemic started um, yeah. I'm very happy at my job right now so I've been turning them down um, but I think it's you know you create these relationships if people reach out to you and you're very kind and you you know you uh, apologize that you're not able to leave right now but like can i recommend some people and usually they're like oh well we liked you and if you're going to recommend you know what i mean and yeah. so you create these relationships with recruiters and other you know or maybe a supervisor who reaches out to you uh, i had the studio called the third floor which is a huge previous studio out here in los angeles um, a friend of mine that i worked with at pandemic studios back in 2008 had become a you know pretty big deal over there. He was doing really great work, and he had told them about me. And for about a year and a half or two years, they constantly, constantly emailing me. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm booked. But when then I finally, the funny story was, is that I was doing some previs on site for the um, Josh Trink Fantastic Four movie. I was in Louisiana, and we were actually doing the previs in the art department where they were shooting the movie. Mm -hmm. And the studio was like fighting with the director and they shut everything down and I volunteered to go home because my husband and I missed each other and within I would say a day of getting home I just reached out to third floor and they're we need you and I went over you know it was like that quick um and it was just because I you know we'd been emailing each other back and forth for years and it was like building a relationship you know um and also if I had a friend who was looking for work, I would reach out to that recruiter who had been emailing me and I would send them people. Same thing with like uh, Zoic Studios and or, uh, Pixamondo and just various places that I've worked, Method Studios, like um, 
they really like it when you are not just trying to take a job, but you're actually trying to help them as well. Like mm -hmm. you're trying to help your, and, and it helps with your friends. I mean, this is like a, you know, an ecology that we want to keep healthy by helping each other as much as we can, because it always feels good when you know that you've helped a friend get a job and you've also made a good contact at that studio. So you might end up, your, your schedules might en end up lining up later, you know, mm -hmm. and that's happened to me a whole lot. Um, I worked with a director while I was in my last year at Cal Arts and I was doing storyboards for Chuck Jones's last project before he died. It was a web comic or it was like a web little web animated series with flash and all of that but he and I um, hadn't talked for a while and then he just reached out to me I was working at a place called seven studios that no longer exists but it was on a fantastic four game and I wasn't super happy there because the art director was really mean and not this ugh, it just was not I was not enjoying myself <laughs> mm -hmm. and this uh, producer reached out to me and said hey we're doing a Tom and Jerry movie at Warner Brothers feature you know it was like directed DVD but he asked me if I wanted to do storyboards on it and I was just like <gasps> you know like he just reached out to me out of the blue and I was like yeah. yes <laughs> you know so yeah. I think that it's important to not narrow your, it's important to have goals. And if your goal is to go to Pixar or go to Disney, definitely don't let go of that goal, but don't be so narrowly focused on it that that's all you're going to be willing to do because you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities. And I can tell you that I've worked with an, feature animators who are stellar, incredible animators, but once they get out of that feature pipeline, they're almost like helpless because they don't know how to do anything technical in Maya other than animate. They animate really well, but if they get a job somewhere else where they're expected to have a little more technical know-how, they're like completely lost, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you build up those skills by, you know, you learn re real-time engines if you go to different companies, especially nowadays because things are a lot more standardized. Like back in the early 2000s, everybody and their brother was trying to make their own engines. <laughs> so most companies were wasting a lot of their money and time trying to develop their own engines when there were already Unreal 3 and different engines out there that you could license and then just focus on making a good game. But most studios wanted to make their own engines. So mm -hmm. I kind of had the benefit of like every studio I went to had their own engine. So I'd have to learn that engine. And then, you know, um, it's important to learn the standard kind of like file management programs out there like Perforce and um, Shotgun is another file management type of thing uh, that visual effects and TV effects studios use that some video game companies are now using. Um, and then when I went to Lightstorm and worked on the Avatar movies, that was just like a whole nother kettle of fish. But that came from me uh, Basically, getting a girl reached out to me who was working at Lightstorm and was asking me for animation feedback. And, you know, so I didn't know her, but I was like, of course, you know, send me your stuff. And we just be, kind of became friends. And then I was wrapping up a project at a company called COSA. We were working on Swamp Thing, and I didn't know where I was going to go after that. And I was talking to Digital Domain, and I was talking to Lightstorm, and I ended up going to Lightstorm and having to learn a whole bunch of new tools because they use Weta tools, everything is proprietary and you're like, mm -hmm. ah, but you have to, you know, if you have the skills to adapt to whatever pipeline your studio has, that's going to make you more valuable and they're going to remember that. They're not, you're not going to be the person who needed their hand held the whole way through, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you hit on a couple of things there uh, that are important is the fact that one is if you not just know 
one particular program. Don't just know Unreal, for instance, yeah. but understand how it works. Not just like, oh, I know under what the hood, click yeah. Button and then click this button, but knowing what it's actually doing, because at your next job or um, the place that you might be applying to or otherwise, they might say like, oh, hey, the, we work in um, Unity uh, or exactly I, or I, 3ds we, max right all that same stuff is okay well what i need to know is how to animate okay got that down it's going to be using different tools i'm going from maya to max but understanding like okay translation rotation graph editor kind of stuff every 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 engine and every software that does the same thing are going to have just similar frameworks ways. yeah just yeah. different ways to get to them and it's important to know like okay well I think I can work in engines because I've got a lot of experience in an engine. Yeah, it's going to take me a little bit of ramp up time, but I'm always going to be importing. I'm always going to be changing blend times and I'm always going to be working on blend states and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it kind of like what your, your roundabout way uh, that we got to this is, is that you said, Hey, I've worked in all these different things. So the next job you get, let's say you've never worked in unreal and they're like, we work in unreal. You can be confident in saying, I'm sure I can get that figured out pretty quickly and I don't, mm -hmm. I don't need too much help in order to get that direction. And the same thing works with, with animation. Some people like starting off in Blender because it's free. Um, mm -hmm. but you're learning all the same principles. You're learning the actual art of animation. It's just a right. different tool that you're using to do it. And I, I really, I pulled that out of what you were saying. And um, Sorry, yeah, I, I tend to go on um, tangents. No, 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 it's <laughs> fine. It, it, would it, would it, it, I, I love that because while we were discussing communicating with other with other artists and people in the industry so that we have open opportunities the tech thing came up and that 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 is really important because a lot of people will look at a job and go oh man these this whole studio works in max i work in maya i can't apply there like it, it's yeah. important to realize like you if you know how to animate and you know all the tools that you need all it is is finding that tool in the right. Other. It's it's a it's basic framework and logic is is the same across all 3D packages. You just need to know okay, where's the graph editor? How do I find you know like where's the global local switch on you know translation or rotate or you know they all have it. You know mm -hmm. how do I set keys in this? Do I hit that? And in a lot of these things that are owned by Autodesk, you can set up their interactivity. Like Mobu, you can set it up to have Maya buttons. Max, you can set up to have Maya buttons. I mean it's so much easier now than it was 20 years ago, you know, oh gosh, like yeah. you almost have no excuse because there's so much information online. Like we didn't have YouTube until 2007. Like right. think about that, you know, like we didn't have Google until 2003. So when I was in college, we didn't have any of that. Like you right. just had to like figure it out or buy a book or, you know, yeah. and the books were like $60. Mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't have Kindle apps and things like that, you know? Yeah. So I think that like, if you're really determined to make a career out of this, I would suggest that you broaden your horizons because there's so many ways to apply your knowledge. You know, there's mm -hmm. VR companies, AR companies, you know, you can get into visual effects or previs. Previs is a great way to get your foot in the door in visual effects, you know. Um, and previs is great because it really teaches you to be self-sufficient because you have to be you know, creative, you have to solve problems quickly, you have to, you know, tell a good story. There are all these things that, that it's, it's kind of like a boot camp, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you come from video games, you already know a lot of technical stuff. So making that transition into previs is 
not that it's pretty easy yeah i would think yeah um uh, i'll just leave it there yes <laughs> i i can go into i i have a problem with tangents as well um <laughs> So going to uh, back to like the, the start of your career and things along those lines, uh, it is important to realize that the skills that you learn in one software will transfer to other softwares. It's just a matter of knowing where it's at. It's like, yep. I know how to drive, but I don't only know how to drive the vehicle that I have. Right. I can jump in any vehicle and turn the wheel. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just, where's the gear shift? Is it here? Is it here? Right. Is it here? Where's the blinker? But I know how to use those things. Yeah, right? it's a good analogy. Yeah, I think those are uh, really important points that you brought up. Um, thinking back on that, when you're creating, uh, say, a resume or otherwise, back when I was first getting into it, back when you first were getting into it, known software was a huge part of a resume. Like, what software mm -hmm. do you know how to use? And I remember thinking, like, I'm going to have to just learn every piece of software to stick on this thing so that I can do it. These days, uh, when I look at resumes, I don't know if I've seen a resume with, hey, I know Cinema 4D and Blender and really software knowledge on a resume. I always now. put my software. Do you? Oh, I just oh yeah. Like when I learned Motion Builder, definitely put that on. Um, when I, yeah. you know, I used Unreal before, and I've used Unity before, and I've used Softimage and 3ds Max and you know, After Effects, because I've used that for my previs is well. like the more software you put on there, like the more like right now, the reason I'm getting so hit up by recruiters on LinkedIn is because I have that software in, and they're searching for those search, you know, words. I had to right. tell my friends who've been in the industry like 10 years, dude, if you know Unreal, put that on your, your LinkedIn, you're going to get hit up by recruiters right now. They're yeah. looking for Unreal and Unity people. That's so, very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, there has the, to be a strategy like you have to understand like it's, it's probably a good idea to to pay attention to industry magazines or industry websites you know go to the SIGGRAPH website like learn what you know the industry standard software is like right now it's definitely Maya but you go to somewhere like Europe and Germany they're mostly Max people mm -hmm. you know um, but it's a good idea to learn them both even though you know most animators will tell you they hate animating in Max but if you're an animator from Germany they hate Maya you know it's just what you're used to but it's only going to benefit you if you if you take the time to get at least somewhat you know comfortable in both softwares because they're pretty much the standard. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody outside of, I mean, maybe Canada still uses it, but Japan, like Softimage is a fantastic software. I used that for years, but for whatever reason, Autodesk has sort of faded it out, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I still put it on my resume. You never know, you know, yeah. um, definitely any, any new skill that you acquire, put that on your resume. If you, if you just start, started using or learning mocap cleanup, put that on your resume. If you just started learning rigging, put that on your resume, like, important okay. <laughs> and that, make sure your LinkedIn is up to date too. That I, I find it interesting that we've seen um, a perpendicular uh, or uh, what I'm trying to say opposite directions in, in that and which I find really interesting because uh, as I was doing some interviews and things along those lines I wasn't seeing it on resumes anymore and then uh, That's speaking, weird speaking with some <laughs> other uh, school instructors and things along those lines and asking them what their thoughts were on that particular subject. And they're like, oh yeah, it hasn't become as important anymore because so many of them, uh, the skills that you learn in one 
-hmm. so so easily transfer over to another and they just if you're able to animate in a piece of software you should be able to animate in another piece of software so i think that's why it may be dropping off of more resumes as of recently but hmm. uh, if you think it's still a really great uh addition to a resume uh knowing what softwares that you know um i just I, figure I, it helps recruiters you know pinpoint you know like does this person have the skill set that we need i mean there might be an animation lead who's willing to overlook it but how do you get to that animation lead if the recruiter has decided oh i don't see maya on there so yeah, you know, absolutely. it just seems absolutely. to me like it, like, why not put it on there? Like, I usually have a little section on the side that just has all the software and the skills I have, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think in LinkedIn, it, it it's a little bit different, I think, because you can actually just click on what you want to add. I'm thinking more of like the printed out. No, I know, but that's on my resume as well. Yeah, I, I yeah my resume has it all. But I mean, it, I've been in the industry a really long time, and like I said, I get most of my jobs through Rex, mm -hmm. or I reach out to somebody that I used to work with or that I know. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, I got this job I'm at now via Twitter, because I became friends with the animation director when he was still at Dice LA, mm -hmm. and um, when I was ready to leave uh, Lightstorm because uh, just kind of an abusive boss situation, it's another thing, like I basically had messaged my boss now and said that I was, you know, fed up with being treated badly. So they were like, oh, well, that's perfect. We need a senior animator right now. And like within a day or two, I'd had another job lined up. It yeah. goes back to relationships, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I really appreciate that because I, uh, I, don't, I don't think I've seen or had it on like my actual paper resume in, in a a long while and maybe maybe I need to re-add that kind of stuff. I don't and know. I, I, I had really no idea that. that that was a thing. Like I, I just assumed everybody still put their software on their resume, but yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of like you're saying, if you go over to, um, uh, if you jump the, the big pond, they're big on Max over there where we're Maya mm -hmm. over here. And maybe it's a, a locational thing or maybe it's just amongst the people that I really know. Uh, of course, I haven't really had to send my resume into a business in a long time because of the whole communication thing that you're mentioning. Yeah. I haven't done like an online application in a really long time. Yeah, so, me either. <laughs> so maybe it, it may, it, um, it, or it could be going back the other direction. It may have just disappeared for a little while and maybe putting software back on is important. Um, I appreciate you saying that. I took a note because it's something I really want to look into because I'm working with all students who right. are all creating brand new resumes. I want to make sure that the information that uh, they should have on there is going to be on there. So yeah, I mean, I'm it might just be that I've that. been doing this for 20 years and I'm just carrying my old way of thinking, but it just seems to me like, why wouldn't you want to show off all the skill sets you have that that might separate you from other applicants who seem like they have a similar resume, but you've got all of these skills. It just makes mm -hmm. you more attractive, I would think. Yeah. But like I yeah, said, I, I'm not a student trying to go out and get my first job anymore. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that um, I am certainly going to look into that. I really appreciate you uh, uh, disagreeing with what I had said and and bringing that up because it's. I mean, it's important. If you are to get, take for instance, you're hiring right now, and I'm like, oh hey, I know about the studio guys. Uh, go apply over there, and you receive ten different resumes. And a few of them have, oh, hey, I know Maya and Max and Blender and blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. Uh, and the other one looks identical, but doesn't have that on there. You uh, ha 
with the, the, your opinions of wanting to have that stuff on a resume, that's going to influence you to look at that other person a little bit more strongly. Yeah, so. I mean, it the resume does influence, but honestly, it's always the demo reel that right. that trumps everything else, right? Like, right. so if they have if they both have similar demo reels, but one's got the, I, I might lean more towards the person who seems like they've brought in their horizons other than the other person who, okay, that looks like they rendered it in Maya. So, okay, they know Maya, but mm -hmm. what else have they done? You know? Right. So yeah, just, I, I, I feel like you're just trying to make yourself look as attractive to employers as possible. So that's why I jump at the chance anytime I'm working somewhere and say they're using massive or Gollum to do a crowd scene. It's like, mm -hmm. teach me how to do that. You know, like I want to just I want to collect skills like Pokemon, you know, like yeah. I want every time I do something new, I want to be able to say I put that when I learned how to use uh, camera tracking software when I was working on Avengers 2 doing post viz, I was excited because like, I'm gonna learn a new new skill set, put that on my resume, you know, yeah. and I was learning to do like um, slap comps and after effects. It's like, yeah, like in my opinion, it, the more skills and the more software you have familiar familiarity with, the better your chances, you know? Absolutely. Okay, uh, switching gears a little bit. Um, now that you've been in the industry for as long as that you have and, and, and a creative for as long as that you have, what are your current um, current methods to continue working on your observational skills? Things hmm. like, um, are you really big on watching movies and just watching how maybe another animator did something? Are you big on playing games and seeing how they did those? Are you more natural, like going out to a park and just watching? Lately, I've had this um, habit of creating a Pinterest page and I go and I find like the most inspiring demo reels I can. And whether that's like creature animation or acting or, you know, some kind of like VFX thing, like things that it, that look really amazing to me and inspire me, I'll keep, I'll pin those to my page. Or like, there's an animation supervisor named Richard Lico, which I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, he used to be the animation supervisor at Bungie, and now he's gone off and made his own VR company. Um, but he, his demo reel is friggin' amazing, and I have it downloaded and sometimes when I just want to figure out how he did something I'll step through it. I have another friend named Marco uh, Cap Capillari, it's Italian. Anyway he's a really phenomenal animator too so I downloaded his demo reel and I and I watch it to see how he did things but obviously I still look at like uh, especially for doing creature animation or any kind of human animation I look at reference. Mm -hmm. um, and I do like to watch other uh, animators on film, and it's it's fun to kind of figure out how they did something. But I don't ever want to copy what an animator did because that's right. like, you know, so many like I like there used to be a time when every animator tried to do a milk call animation reel, and it's like, don't copy another animator. Like show me what you do, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, so when I'm looking at acting, I want to see the person who obviously sat down and really, really thought about the staging and really, really and it, like acted it out themselves and, ga and gave it a new life and tell a different story with it. I want to see that they filmed themselves acting it and really studied the you know performance and, and yeah. got that on screen. Um, I, I really enjoy doing creature animation, so obviously I'll find reference of a creature that I want to animate and I you know block it all in so. I have something to start with and then I my my approach is usually if it's like a 300 frame animation I block it all in and then when I set it to spline I'll probably go down to like the first 50 frames and just really polish that and then extend it a little bit so I'm like 
hyper focused on yeah. and then once I've got that polish 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 pass done <laughs> then I will go and you know run a previews and then figure out where all the problems are and just be strategic and you know just so that you don't get overwhelmed because yeah, sometimes when you have a big long scene, it's very easy to be like, ah, it's too much. But if you, you know, shorten the timeline and you just focus on each little bit at a time, it makes it easier mm -hmm. to, to tackle. Yeah, absolutely. So um, earlier you had mentioned that you had done some concept work, uh, which means that a you're probably, uh, which means <laughs> you're probably a, a fantastic 2D artist. Um, I think so, I was 20 years ago. I don't know. I'm I'm okay right now, but <laughs> you know, a career in 3D animation when you're not drawing all day, it does tend to kind of your your 2D skills take a hit. But mm -hmm. I try to I try to draw at least every other day now. I have an iPad Pro and I sit down and I just doodle and stuff just yeah. to keep the skill set going. I recently illustrated a children's book, so oh, wow. and the publisher really like thank you. The publisher really liked my stuff, so I might get to illustrate more. That's fantastic. Um, so what my question there was going to be is when I was learning and where I went to school, um, thumbnailing and drawing out your plan for the mm -hmm. animation was really, really big. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if they still push that in a lot of the other schools, but that was a huge part of my learning experience was like learning. To Same draw here. I, I did 2D animation at CalArts. So mm -hmm. when I was um, at CalArts, my first year, uh, my second semester, I got a job on the South Park movie doing storyboards. It was a lot harder than you'd think because the style they wanted you to do. I was, I was trying to draw like Disney and like Warner Brothers style, mm -hmm. and they wanted things very flat. And it was very hard for me to conform my style to that. But it was my first movie credit. Mm -hmm. And then my second year was at that video game company. And then my third year was a Sims. I had an internship at the Sims. Simpsons, so I got to work on three episodes of The Simpsons, mm -hmm. and, that, and I got a TV credit for that. Um, so when I got into 3D animation, I did do some thumb, thumbnailing, but it ended up being just a lot easier to film reference, um, especially when I was doing fighting games and things had to look physically real and mm -hmm. all of that. But if I'm doing a acting scene, I will thumbnail before I shoot because I want to figure out what my... Um, staging is you know so I'll, I'll thumbnail it out in lots of different ways and then if I feel like okay I like that camera angle and that staging then I'll set up the camera and I'll I'll put the audio on um, an iPad or something and just play it and repeat and I'll just act it out act it out act it out you know I'll run it for a few minutes acting it out a whole bunch of times and then I'll check it out and see which take I like the best and then that's the one that I base my animation on yeah very cool thank you I um, I find that like a, a lot of other animators, you start off with doing a lot of that type of stuff. And I think um, film is still very directed toward thumbnails and storyboards mm -hmm. and things along those lines. Uh, gains, not very much at all. So I, I love to ask people their process there because everyone uh, develops their own process. Like a school is going to teach you a process, like do these things, but it's more of a loose, like here's one way of doing this. This is how we do this. Uh, if you can do this, then down the line, you can add and remove whatever you want. Um, take, for instance, uh, where I went, it was always draw it out, block it out, um, uh, write it out. So like dope sheets and all I that. I do that too. Stuff. Yeah. So sometimes I just do bullet points, like the character does this, then they do that. Like that's my first thing is like, okay, I'm going to have them do this. And then when I have that bullet point out, then I start thumbnailing and then I start filming. So it's like I start with just the ideas, writing it, writing it out, and then I work from there. Yeah. 
that that's that's really great. I'm, I'm glad that you uh, shared that with us. It's I, I love hearing about processes because everyone's different. Uh, some people don't use step keys at all, uh, even though I don't. I go straight into. I I have the weirdest process ever. Like I'm a straight ahead animator for the most part, and mm -hmm. I don't use stepped keys hardly ever, yeah. <laughs> except for maybe when I'm doing acting. But um, I when I tried when I was teaching at Nomen. I felt bad because I was like, I'm trying to teach these kids, but my process is so different than what everybody else is teaching. Like, so I would try to conform to the process, like the stepped key process and all of that for, because that's how most of the schools teach it now. When mm -hmm. I started though, I don't even know if Maya did stepped keys 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, I don't you know, I would just go in and start blocking. I would just, it was almost like you're sitting there with a lump of clay and you're just going in and you're just molding it molding it molding it like that's mm -hmm. kind of how my brain works so I just yeah. start putting some stuff in there and when I I feel like the storytelling is sort of working then I do the process of like narrowing it down and starting to polish mm -hmm. but my process is so completely different than what they teach now that it's like <laughs> I think yeah. everybody should just do whatever process works best for them as long as the final product is what works you know yeah. I'm not going to tell you how to get there yeah, that that's that's really fantastic way of pointing it. And kind of uh, what I was leaning toward is everyone does does their processes different. And while we may teach some pieces of that process, like blocking into splining into polishing, so on and so forth, um, what's important there is giving all of the information on here's all the different ways of doing it. But you don't necessarily have to do all of those different steps, you know. So I I teach. Mm -hmm. I don't teach the drawing, but I, I, it's usually a step I put in there and then the storyboarding mm -hmm. and the, the, the writing out dope sheets and things along those lines. Um, but same as you, my process right now, depending on the shot is wildly different. Like if it's something mm -hmm. I've done a million times, I may not worry about doing step keys because I have a general idea of timing already. So I can just add onto those. And as you had mentioned, Maya has changed dramatically in the last 20 years as well. Something that I just found out recently um, while I was getting ready to create a play blast is if you right, like, right click inside the timeline, you can actually set the timeline to be in stepped keys and you don't have to be in the graph editor and select everything what? and set them to stepped. I had right. no idea. I don't know if that's new to 2020 or <laughs> oh what, my gosh. It, it popped up green for me. Like, well, you know, and like Maya's thing. tracks editor always used to be garbage and now their, their time editor is fantastic. Like right. I started using the time editor recently and I'm like, because Soft Image had something similar, but it was called something else. It was like Clip Editor or whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you've used Motion Builder and you've used the story uh, mode, same mm -hmm. thing. You create clips, you can crossfade them, do it. You know, now you can do that inside Maya, which is awesome, you know. Yeah. Like, they're making it so easy. And that's always been the great thing about Maya is it's so malleable. It's to the artist's preference, you know. Mm -hmm. So... If the like I know some people that have to work with all four viewports up all the time. I can't stand mm -hmm. that. Like I work with one viewport here and I tear off a viewport. In fact, that's what drove me crazy about the first year I was working on the Flash and Supergirl because we were, were using Max at the time and you can't you can't rip off viewports in Max and I was doing previs and stuff and it was driving me nuts because I was like having to work in these little windows. Yeah. Like, oh, if only I could tear this off. <laughs> it's, it's also funny you say that because I'm um, now that I am uh, sharing my screen to students and things along those lines and recording, I'm having to stick to one screen. And mm -hmm. for the last like 15 years, I've trained myself to have 
these windows off screen and that I yeah. reference and deal with and everything else. And now I'm having to move everything back to one screen for recording and showing students. Uh, and it's, it's so funny you say that because now I'm trying to train myself back into working with one screen, which is yeah. how I initially learned. Yeah. So like having my graph editor tiny and at the bottom and trying to work with that and changing window sizes every 15 Yeah, it's seconds. so hard, isn't it? I, I did a couple of Nomen tutor or tutorials uh, for their um, Nomen workshop and that was so hard having to, <laughs> I was like, this just feels like awful to me. Like, Ugh, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I totally I, feel you on that. Yeah, I used to tear off everything and I used to only have my viewport on one screen, which I could then divide if mm -hmm. I needed to. But all of my tools were on a different screen. I do that too. I do that right now. All my tools are on my second screen and then my viewport is right here. Mm -hmm. I that have is, to. I don't know. <laughs> that is the way I'm so used to working. And it's funny that I've had to adapt a different work style, which kind of goes back to almost the first topic that we talked about is being capable of changing your tool set. Be versatile. Uh, exactly being able to change your your tool set to 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 work with your workflow um, yeah so. whatever you do whatever project you go to make sure that you're you dedicate yourself to learning their pipeline and don't gripe about it because like mm -hmm. my husband is working i won't tell you where he's working or whether but he he's working with a guy who's maybe 50 years old and just refuses to learn anything new he doesn't already know refuses to learn how to check his own work into unity and i'm like why is this guy even like if I had the power, I'd have fired him a long time ago because A, he refuses to do his job properly, he tries to get other people to do that part of his job. He'll even mm -hmm. like gripe when he's given an assignment and what's that assignment I want? And it's like, right. <sighs> you know what I mean? Like, don't be that person. Yeah. Do, do not be that person. Yes. And the other part of that is, the other important part of that also is if you're at, a place that is asking you to do things that you don't want to do, say engine integration, uh, uploading things into your engine and doing blend trees and all that kind of stuff. If that's not something you want to do and your job is asking you to do it, maybe that's not the right job for you. Exactly. There's, there's plenty of studios out there that don't require any touching engine at all of their animators. Mm -hmm. and all they do is sit and create animations. Um, those are few and far between. Yeah. You are going to limit yourself if you're not willing to, you know, do what the project requires of you. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Like, um, uh, engine is a big part of that. Uh, like mm -hmm. every studio I've been to, um, has always had something different, uh, especially since as like you in the beginning of my career, everybody had proprietary software. So every yeah. time I started a new job, it was okay. I have to go learn this engine, figure that out. Um, Thankfully, things are becoming a little bit less like that, but there's yeah. still quite a bit of proprietary engine stuff mm -hmm. going on. Um, and it's important to, to realize what is the job asking of you, mm -hmm. uh, and does that align with what you want? If you're looking at, here's your daily duties, and a lot of people overlook what the studio wants before they even apply. They're like, it says animator, they want me. Like, read what they ask for. Right. Um, thinking about a particular studio, I think, I, I'm 90% sure it's Naughty Dog. Mm -hmm. They actually require quite a bit of scripting yeah. from, from yeah, their they animators. A couple of my animators on my team uh, just worked on Last of Us 2, and they had to use scripting. So, right. Like, that is not a skill Research that I, it, yeah. Right, that's not a skill I currently have, so there, I would not be applying to Naughty Dog mm -hmm. unless I gained the skills that they're asking for. Yeah. So that 
if I somehow did get that job at Naughty Dog, you know, like if I applied for whatever reason and I got that job, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, hey, you got a script. Can't be like, oh, yeah, well, how much Python do, do you know? Like, that's not something you can blag your way through either. Because if you put in some broken code and screw everything up, then you're going to be out on your ass before you <laughs> know <laughs> it. So um, don't apply for a job you're not confident you can do. Just don't, don't do yeah, it. Yeah. It's really important to understand what the job duties are going to be. If you want to be a pure animation, uh, creating keys all day, make sure that you're looking for a studio that only requires that of you. Uh, mm -hmm. But more and more these days, engine um, engines. Yeah, are something that more and more these days. Good. I mean, because let's face it, with online schools and the the competition is stiffer now. There's a lot of people coming right out of their online schools with really solid demo reels who have, because you can download Unity and Unreal for free at home and, and there's just so much information available out there I and mean, people are teaching themselves. That's mm -hmm. who your competition is, you know? So you have to know what the competition is doing. You have to know what the students require. And, you know, especially if you're still a student and you, you know, you're not working full time and you, you have that time to learn it, I would say learn it because mm -hmm. even film studios are using uh, real time engines now, like the, the Mandalorian, that was a lot of that background stuff was real time unreal mm -hmm. four on set, <laughs> you know? I think, so I think newer engines are going to blend the, the, Oh yeah. Unreal five is going to be higher quality than most feature stuff. <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah. Better and start it, learning it now. <laughs> and the, what I really enjoy about that, uh, the idea of those industries starting to use game, originally game industry tools, is mm -hmm. that those two industries are starting to meld a bit more. Because, I mean, in, in all honesty, uh, when it comes to your high action films, uh, Transformers and Spider-Mans and uh, the whole Marvel series, mm -hmm. um, as those start to come closer to wanting to use real-time effects and real-time um, renderers, it's getting closer to the point where skills can jump from one mm -hmm. industry to the next. Uh, yep. I mean, animation has always been a bit easier to jump back and forth as far as some of that stuff is concerned. But if you start adding engine stuff to your resume now uh, and to your capability levels, the, the jump over to film maybe a, a lot easier yeah. coming very soon than it has been in the in the previous years. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you right now, I have a lot of friends who are VFX supervisors and more and more studios are investing in Unreal, or, you know, in real-time engines to do their previs straight to final product, you know what I mean? They're, sh they're using those assets and building upon it and iterating on it. So um, I would say, learn as much technical stuff as you can because the job, you know, like right now the country, <laughs> the future economy is very uncertain and the people who have all these technical skills are going to stay employed. Like I'm getting jo job offers right and left, which is weird to me because of the current state of things, you know, but it's because of my resume. It's because of the skill sets I have on my resume and mm -hmm. um, people with these skill sets, I think are, are going to stay gamefully employed. But on yeah. top of that, obviously you have to be a good team player. You have to be somebody that is reliable and, you know, self sufficient and, you know, easy to work with and stuff, because I know people who are phenomenally talented animators who 
have rubbed too many people the wrong way and they go through giant gaps of unemployment because they have a reputation, you know, right. not a good one, yeah. but their work is stellar. Their work is amazing. But if you, you know, so, <laughs> you got to so, have a, you got to have a positive team player attitude or. Yeah, absolutely. So the, something else that you kind of pointed out there is uh, the large gaps of unemployment, things along those lines. And it kind of goes back into our communication uh, and, and networking. networking networking and things along those lines um, is that the industry seems like it's huge because it's a, a hundred uh, several hundred billion dollar industry and uh, almost every uh, child's uh, house has a console in it and with mm -hmm. our gen our generation growing up with a little bit of video games being introduced uh, early on in life um, it's it's I mean I'm I'm 40 years old and I have almost every console that has ever I'm come I'm 42, out. yeah. I mean, I, I had an Atari. I had, I never had a Sega Genesis, but I had the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, you mm -hmm. know, the N64, PS2, you know. So on and so forth. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. what, so it seems like it's ginormous. It seems like it is one it's of not, the biggest though. industries in the world. But the thing is, it's like you name a studio, and if it's not a tiny studio, I probably have worked with people there, even mm -hmm. if it's in Europe or in yep. Japan or otherwise where I've never even traveled to. I have friends who probably work there or work mm -hmm. directly with them in some fashion. So what you're saying is being a team member and keeping those communication skills up and keeping that networking up and all those things like that, they're extremely important because they can work against you just yeah. as easily as they can work for you. And I know people that have been blacklisted in the industry mm -hmm. and it's it's easier said than done or, or easier done than you think to blacklist yeah. somebody because yeah. the industry is so small yeah I, like, I there are a handful probably two or three people who obviously I won't name but that mm -hmm. if if they apply to a studio I'm at I I kibosh it and it's not out of any kind of like amnity or being mean or it, it's that I worked with this person and they were lazy. They were on their phone. All, they came in two hours late every day. They didn't, mm -hmm. you know, they stole other people's work and called it their own. You know, there, there's real reasons why I would step up and say, uh, uh, to that Absolutely. person, <laughs> you know, um, and it, it would never be for any other reason than that. Because for me, it's always about what can I do for other people, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's, you know, probably why I have such good relationships with everybody, but you really do want to be helpful. How can I be helpful? Um, and the, I, I reserve my, um, blacklisty kind of stuff for a very tiny amount of people. And it's because they earned it, <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Absolutely. I will overlook a lot of things, but if you can't even come to work on time, if you can't even do the bare minimum, right. and then you you know can't take notes and you come in on a weekend when you're being paid time and a half and just sit on your phone all day, I'm going to notice that. Right. And if this person ever applies and somebody asks me about them, I'm going to give them the whole truth. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, what I was trying to get at there is just. How, how important network and, and being positive about things, um, like you had mentioned the individual that you would fire if you had the capability of firing mm. that individual because they're being very disagreeable what their job duties are. And to, to me, what that says is, okay, you are now hiring at another studio, he loses his job, and then he wants to come and work for you. How small of a world is it is the fact that you're <laughs> like, well, I know that guy, you know? Yeah. And 
I've been in those situations where names have come across my my desk and they're like, oh, hey, we really like this guy's work. Uh, we want to bring him in for an interview. What do you think? And I look at it and I go, uh, I know this guy. Um, I don't think this would be a great fit. Um, and I can only imagine that happens everywhere. I mean, and you'll never get along with everybody 100%. Oh, yeah. And it's not even but, about getting along, but it's like if you can't do the bare minimum, like mm -hmm. you get an assignment and you do it and you turn it in on time, like you can't even do that. And then you can't take notes and you bitch and moan about like, it's this, there's a sense of entitlement in some people that, you know, really rubs me the wrong way because it's like, there are so many much more um, hardworking, grateful people that could take your job and probably mm -hmm. do it faster, better with a smile on their face. You know what I mean? So don't think that just because you've got 20 years experience that they won't replace you with somebody new yeah, because, absolutely. you know, you're just more trouble than you're worth. Mm -hmm. Don't so, do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, so, um, yeah, I, 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 there's a lot in there that's really important. And, I, and um, one of the things that you had uh, had mentioned, and I, I think this is kind of what you were talking about, is uh, receiving like critique. Uh, mm. Receiving critique is a daily, if not all day, kind of thing in the animation industry, and that can be really hard. Oh yeah, it's hard. Um, I mean, I've I can been speak at it for on that time. for sure. <laughs> yeah. I've been at it for a long time and I'll still hear something about my work like, oh, hey, like this, this doesn't work or I don't like this or uh, redo this part. And I think about it and I'm like, oh, man, like it, it kind of hurts. But you have to make sure that what you are letting back out to the person giving you the critique is only in gratefulness. And right. nothing Let and, me just and... tell you, like once you break through that and you, because a lot of times that comes from a lack of one's own confidence. Cause I know for myself, when I worked on Terra Nova, it was my first like real visual effects job and I was animating dinosaurs. I'm such a dinosaur fan that I have three of them tattooed on my body. So let's nice. just say I'm huge dino person. Mm -hmm. um, I would go home crying sometimes thinking, I just can't do this. I'm not good enough. They don't think I'm good enough. And then when I, when it, when I really realized that no, if they thought I wasn't good enough, they'd fire me. They're mm -hmm. just ask, asking me to give them what they want, you mm -hmm. know? And once I kind of got over that, I just thought, okay, every note I get is just going to make me a better animator. And so now mm -hmm. I welcome them. And, and I'm doing screenwriting on the side, and I've taken that ability to appreciate notes and feedback to whenever somebody gives me feedback on a script, I'm like, awesome, thanks, I'm pumped. You know, it, I don't get, <sighs> you know, mm -hmm. um, and that's only from years of experience and also really um, internalizing and understanding that, you know, 95% of the time feedback is given in a positive manner. It's only to make your work better. There are always those, those people out there who don't know how to give feedback properly and end up making a person feel like crap, which is completely, you know, um, well, it's not productive for one thing when yeah. people don't feel confident in themselves. The last thing they do is good work. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when you realize that you never stop growing as an artist, you never stop getting better. And every note that you get gives you something to think about in the future. You know, every time somebody points out, you know, a problem in the rhythm of an animation or there's a spacing problem or there's an arc problem, you know, mm -hmm. oh, you're right. You know, because I just want to get better. I've been doing Absolutely. this 20 years that I just want to get better. I want to keep getting better. And so when people are giving you notes in a genuine and sincere way, you should be pumped about it because that just means next time I'm not going to do that. Next time I'm going to remember not to do that. And like, you're just, that just means you're going to get better. So 
the sooner you can because everybody when they start their job is going to get upset and insecure when they get a note it's just natural you know mm -hmm. i'm not going to sit there and tell you don't do that because that's like saying don't have you know hunger pangs if you're hungry like it's natural you know what i mm -hmm. mean but through you know just really keep in mind that how you behave in a production um, really is going to stand out and it, and it can create a trajectory for your future. So take the notes, you know, have your feelings if you're going to have them, but smile, take the notes, go back and fix them. And the more and more you do it, the easier it gets. And then when you get to my point where, you know, I'm 42, I've been doing this a while, it's like when my lead gives me notes, I'm like, okay, cool, write it down, write it down. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And then I address the notes, he sees it the next review, oh, looks great, you know, and it, I mean, that's how it's supposed to work, you know, nobody's going to nail it the first time, even if they're the best animator on the team, they have their subjective idea of what it wants, what they want, but then the person who's the supervisor, they're the ones whose task is to, they've been given the power and the task to, to look, for, to go for a certain look, and they get to decide, mm -hmm. and it's not, up to you to argue with their notes. I mean, I worked with a guy on Transformers 4 and Previs where he was arguing to Michael, with Michael Bay to his face. <laughs> and I'm like, what <laughs> are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you don't do that. Like, just don't. Because yeah. now they're never going to hire you again. So and I know that there, for a fact. <laughs> so. there, there's a, a couple of points that you kind of mentioned there that I, I want to pull out is... Um, one one point was is not agreeing with a critique that you get. Uh, that is perfectly okay. There's times where I do something and I have it at a set timing and spacing that I'm like, this feels awesome. It feels snappy. It feels whatever. I talk to someone else. Let's say it's same level as me, uh, another mm -hmm. senior or lead or otherwise, and I say, hey, what do you think about this? And they give me their feedback. If I don't agree with them, I don't just go well, like, oh, I did that because of blah, 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 blah. I just take their notes. I write them down, and then I take it to somebody else. And they say, mm -hmm. what do you think? Take their notes. Take their notes. A few of those things might align, and the person giving you a critique may not always be an animator. So mm -hmm. you might get a critique from a modeler, and they go, hey, uh, this section here feels like it could be faster. They might not have the terminology down to tell you exactly what it is that you need to fix. So then you go and talk to somebody else, and they say, oh, yeah, this area, uh, I feel like it needs to actually hit the ground harder. Harder, so yeah. It maybe, More, it wasn't, yeah. It, maybe it wasn't a speed thing, but it was it was actually the, the result of that speed hitting the ground. Right, so the that's weight. The part, right, that's the part yeah. that they actually wanted to feel. So you may not have agreed with the speed part, but understanding what it was that they actually want, that wanted to tell you is always important. My wife yes. is not an artist in anything, but since working from home, I'll have her come and take a look at my work, and I say, hey, what do you think about this? And she'll go, it feels good uh, when, when they're in the air, something doesn't feel right, and that's all I need to know. Something yeah. between this frame Because she this can see frame. it objectively. Something, yeah, something something's weird. Yeah. Right. Something between this frame and this frame is not right. She wasn't able to tell me what it was, but something here is not right, and then I can look at it in closer detail, things along those lines. But just saying like, oh, I don't agree because you're not an animator, like that. That's yeah. Part. Another part that you had brought up is your boss. Oh my gosh! You know what? I just realized. I think I have a meeting. Okay. Right no, now. Absolutely. Mm. No, you're good. Sorry. Thank you so much. <laughs> um. Yeah. This was great. I apologize. I just looked at my schedule and I'm like, oh, we are having a meeting. Ah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so fine. I'm already going. But um, thank you so much for having me.
Yeah, and I hope this was helpful. And if you ever need me to come back and expound on any of this, Fantastic. feel free to reach out. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. You have a good Bye. one. Enjoy your meeting. You too. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.